Welcome back to Emotions and Potions, a love slash hate letter to with your fabulous hosts, Ashton and Alec. And welcome back this week as we are continuing on in our Akatar journey. Yeah, we're hitting you guys hard with book number two, A Court of Mist and Fury, still by Sarah J. Mass. All right, so we're just going to get right down to it this week and mention some content and trigger warnings that you might see in A Court of Mist and Fury. Those include forced sex work, sexual assault, physical and emotional abuse, child abuse, PTSD, depression, panic attacks, arranged marriage, murder, and torture. All with a fantasy twist. All with some fae. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, hit us with that synopsis. The seductive and stunning number one New York Times best-selling sequel to the Sarah J. Moss spellbinding A Court of Thorns and Roses. Farah has undergone more trials than one human can carry in her heart. Though she's now been granted the powers and lifespan of the High Fae, she is haunted by her time under the mountain and the terrible deeds she performed to save the lives of Tamlin and his people. As her marriage to Tamlin approaches, Farah's hollowness and nightmares consume her. She finds herself split into two different people, one who upholds her bargain with Resand, High Lord of the Feared Night Court, and one who lives out her life in the Spring Court with Tamlin. While Feyre navigates a dark web of politics, passion, and dazzling power, a greater evil looms. She might just be the key to stopping it, but only if she can harness her harrowing gifts, heal her fractured soul, and decide how she wishes to shape her future and the future of a world in turmoil. I like that synopsis. Yeah. I feel like it only really covers like part one and part two for the most part. But I'm not mad at that. I like some mystery. Yeah. I think I would rather have a synopsis not give too much away versus giving everything away where you're like, well... It gives enough. Yeah. It gives enough. I mean, that's like the over overview premise of the whole book, I would say. Yeah. So, well done. Nice job. All right. As for our potion this week, what concoction have you mixed up for us today, Alex? I'm excited. I feel like I'm always excited for this part, though. You helped me name this one. This is Valeris Dreams. It was a joint effort. We bounced back and forth. We did. Okay, so what is in a Valeris drink? We got some pomegranate juice. We got some tart cherry juice, some honey simple syrup, some lime seltzer. And of course, you know, busting out the luster dust again, this time with some purple and silver. And then add some gin, preferably Hendrix Lunar Gin. But you know, if you want to keep it a mocktail, don't do that. All right, let's try this purple purple drink. It's very Night Court-esque. It's very Night Cheers. Yum. I, I like, like that. It. Fruity. But like tart, not too sweet. Yeah. Just like the night court. Yeah, I definitely taste the pomegranate, yeah. which is nice. I like that. And the tart cherry juice is supposed to like help you go night nights and, you know, resand's powers make you go night night. And I also like the pomegranate because this is kind of like a Hades Persephone retelling. Yeah. So pomegranates is a nice little bridge binding between the Greek myth and this book. So, And it's a really nice dark juice, which, you know, helped me keep this dark, mysterious color. Yes. Love it. Yay. All right. So before we go into our plot breakdown, we are going to do this episode a little bit different than we normally do. Because this was a thick book. This had a lot of stuff going on. It's a pretty heavy read, as in page count. And just things happening. Yeah. And so this book is naturally split into three sections. 
So we are going to do a plot breakdown for section one, and then we are going to kind of talk about our loves and hates right after that. And then we'll go into section two, loves and hates, and then finish it out with section three, loves and hates. So instead of just doing all plot, then our loves and hates. Give you, give you a little bit of a taste of each throughout. Yeah. It'll be a little bit more fluid this episode. And then obviously we'll wrap it up with our casting, our song choices, our overall rankings, spice rankings, and then if it's a love or a hate letter. Let's get into it. All right, Alex. All right. So part one is House of the Beast. This book takes place three months after the events of Under the Mountain. Feyre and Tamlin are engaged and a high priestess, Ianthe, is helping Feyre with wedding planning and the expectations of being married to a high lord. They get along all right. Feyre is just happy to have Ianthe there to make decisions for her. Ianthe does seem like an attention-seeking and power-hungry bitch with boundary and consent issues, though. Tamlin is dealing with High Lord business and the fallout of Amarantha's defeat and intentionally excludes Feyre from any and all information and basically anything that he perceives as dangerous to Feyre. And our girl Feyre, she's struggling with some PTSD some nightmares and depression as a result of her actions, mostly the killing of the two fairies under the mountain. And Tamlin's trauma response is to be overbearing and like suffocating with protection, which isn't helping Feyre's condition. It's actually making things a whole lot worse. Lucian is stuck between a rock and a hard place with the whole thing. He doesn't like what's being done to Feyre. However, as Tamlin's second in command, he's trying to you know, help bring order back to the spring court and he must obey his high lord. Plus, where is Lucian supposed to take Feyre as she still wants to marry Tamlin? And, you know, both Tamlin and Feyre are being buttheads to Lucian. So then we get to the day of Feyre and Tamlin's wedding. Feyre is getting severe cold feet and having a panic attack while walking down the aisle and is internally begging for someone, anyone to save her. Cue the dramatic entrance from the High Lord of the Night Court, Resand. He hears her pleas of help through their under-the-mountain bargain bond and decides to claim his one-week-a-month visit to the Night Court. So he whisks Feyre away. Very dramatic. During her first visit to the Night Court, Feyre is still loyal to Tamlin and trying to keep Resand at arm's length, not trusting his motives and just, like, trying to suss him out. Though our boy is doing more for Feyre in a week than Tamlin has for the past however many months she's been with him. He helps her learn to read and write and work on her mental shields and gives her more information about her fairy transformation, potential powers she may have, and what is to come in King Hybern's threat to the mortal and fairy lands. He also offers her a chance to have a role in the upcoming war and how valuable she can be. But Feyre isn't buying it just yet. When Feyre returns to the spring court, Tamlin puts her back in lockdown, which starts to piss Feyre off to the point where, guess what? Her power gifts from the High Lords start to break free. Tamlin, instead of doing the smart thing of letting her train and find out what gifts and powers she has, just wants to ignore it. But since he got a little scared of her, he does try to give her a little bit more freedom compared to the non-existent one she had. And then it's tax collection time for the spring court. And Feyre winds up assisting a water wraith who cannot pay their taxes. Like she gives this water wraith her like jewels so she can cover it. And Tamlin was not happy about this. Things between Feyre and Tamlin are good for a bit until Reese shows back up to claim his next visitation right. The second visit to the night court is less productive, but Reese Ann does use this time to try and build a friendship with Feyre 
and help her with her healing process. Feyre goes back to the spring court, and this time her confinement to the manor is worse than ever. Ianthe is Team Tamlin all the way, and any attempt Lucian has made on Feyre's behalf or Feyre makes herself is shut down. Tamlin must venture close to Highburn's territory and Feyre insists on going with him, but he magically seals her in the house and takes off. This confinement is Feyre's breaking point and she spins out of control with panic and her magic is flying, activating a major distress signal to Rhysand, more Rhysand's cousin and friend to Feyre, um, after Reese penetrates Tamlin's like protection wards on the manor, collects Feyre and brings her to the night court. And that is part one. Yeah. So what did we love and hate about it? I loved Rhysand's epic arrival for the first time in this book on her wedding day, on Feyre's wedding day. I thought that was very like on brand. Yeah, it, it gave me... Um, it gave me Hades. That <laughs> and also uh, Loki... When he comes down, it's like, your savior has arrived. Yeah. Like, I feel like that was, I was curious reading up to this point that that had been like three or four months or something like that. And he hadn't collected on any of his weekly mm-hmm. or monthly visits. And so I was wondering, like, how is, how is he going to? When is it going to start? How's yeah. it going to happen? And, you know, like, that was just the perfect. I really appreciate that. I do wish we actually got the scene of Tamlin proposing to Feyre. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, they're engaged. Yeah, it was like it was literally a sentence, I think. Yeah. Where it mentioned that he takes her out into the fields or whatever, and then he proposes and they make love. And But it was just like so just kind of me. Yeah. It would have been nice to have that little heartwarming moment before all of this bullshit. But you know what? I also wonder... Because reflecting back onto the first book, you know, I like I felt like there was something missing between Tamlin and Feyre from like the get in book one. And I wonder if that was like Sarah's like purpose is to not get readers super invested in their relationship because it's not it's not the end goal one. The end goal relationship. So it's like maybe she purposefully kind of left things very vague between them because she doesn't want people to get like confused or have thoughts about Pharaoh. Yeah. I don't know. I think it would it would have been nice though cuz then you know Pharaoh's just like, "Oh no, I have to be loyal to Tamlin. Oh, I still have feelings for Tamlin." And meanwhile, I'm reading this like, "Why?" Yeah. Why? And like so if I had that scene, I may like have understood her struggle with telling him to F off. Yeah, and see, that was one of my hates is I feel like her panic walking down that aisle to get married should have been an indication to her that this relationship is not Not it. it. Like that should have been the hugest red flag. That should have been stadium-sized red flag hitting her in the face. And then when Reese Pick gets her, she starts yelling at him like, why did you do this? I'm like, honey... He saved you. You were literally begging for any and anyone to come get you out of this situation. And when it happens, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, because she How was, dare you? Because she was about to also say no in front of everyone of the importance of the Spring Court. And yeah. Hamlin, obviously. So, like, the fact, though, that she's still, after the first uh, night court visit with Reese, when she, like, goes back to the Spring Court, 
The fact that she's still like all for Tamlin annoys me because I'm like, okay, so you are just like in denial. You feel this loyalty towards him that like you really shouldn't because this relationship is not healthy. No, not at all. Not at all. Something funny, I realized, <laughs> with Feyre's visit once a month. Um, Reese was basically her period. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a month. I'll be coming to collect. For a week. For a week. <laughs> seven days. Have fun. Yeah, that's funny. That is... I was also on my period when, like, that... <laughs> realization happened well there you go <laughs> um i did like Feyre helping the water race yeah i thought that was, that was nice. really nice especially too because one it pissed hamlin off he hated that Feyre did that um and i love that but also it seemed like water wraiths are like very lesser fairies mm-hmm so people were even kind of like, why would you help them out of all the fairies you could help? Yeah. You chose them. Yeah, like, ugh. But I, I think that that shows. I think that shows really good character kind of imagery of Feyre and Tamlin. Yeah, it shows like how kind of different. And something that they kept saying is like. You know, Feyre is now immortal, but she still has a human, human heart. heart. And, like, that is showing that, like, how she still differs from the rest of, like, the high fae. And I liked that. Me too. That was really sweet. I felt bad for Lucian this whole time, like, of this part. I felt so bad for him. Yeah, he's definitely between a rock and a hard place. This whole book, really. Yeah. It's like, he literally, there's nothing he can do that is, like, 100% right. No. And it's like in this part, in part one, like literally what was he going to do to step in with Feyre and Tamlin? Like he can't take her to another Well, he can't court. go against his high high lord. Yeah. He is an, he's a implant because he's not from the spring court. Yeah. Like he, and also like when I was reading it, I kind of was like, Feyre, you've literally been friends with him for eight months-ish. He's literally known Tamlin for hundreds, hundreds of, of years. years. You can't be like, you were my friend. You're supposed to blow. I'm like, bitch, there's You're supposed a to pick me. Yeah. And like, sorry, but friendship for eight months, I don't think. And, and he was trying. It yeah. wasn't like he wasn't doing anything. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't just like completely abandon her, but it was like there was only so much he could do. And I'm not justifying Tamlin's actions because it's one of the things I hate. However, he's going through his own trauma with like what happened under the mountain and like how he couldn't do and protect her like he wanted to so now he's like trying to overcompensate and just allow her to rest because she put in too much work when she was a human and he's just like I want you to take a load off is he going about it the right way and the way that Feyre needs to be handled absolutely not but it's like I can understand his train of thought in part one I'm going to have a totally different opinion in other parts about Tamlin, though. But part one, I kind of see where they're both coming from. And they just, they're just not right for each other. Yeah, I can see where they're coming from. But at the same time, I hate how Tam approaches this whole situation. Oh, it's awful. I mean, like, locking her in, forcing her, like, and she, you know, if you read this book, she is constantly, like, please, let me go into town. Let me go into the woods. Like, let me go on rides with you. Let me... And, Lu like, let Lucian and I, like, be able to go out. But, like, he has trapped her in this house. Yeah. And Feyre, you know, is no longer human. She's changing. And maybe they were compatible when she was human and he was Fey. But, like, he's not taking into account all of her issues. And another big hate of mine kind of 
on top of that is with the nightmares that Feyre is having almost nightly where she is literally vomiting because she's having these like flashback PTSD moments and her and Tamlin are in bed together and he acts like he doesn't even know what's going on. Like he doesn't wake up to comfort her. Yeah, he doesn't that's do anything. Like well, I she doesn't even know doesn't, if he's awake. Doesn't or not, he? But. Doesn't he wind up leaving her like after they like hook up because he has his own rooms? Well, I think that it gets to the point where he stops visiting, visiting her. her in general. Okay, yeah. I don't know if he ever like thanks her and leaves, but like, yeah, I kind of was like, how? How are you not waking up? And I got you, no justification for that. Yeah, you're literally just laying in bed, listening to the girl you love, like throwing up, being sick, waking up in panic attacks. But like Tamlin also woke up in panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Feyre comforted him and helped him. But like it was not reciprocated. No. I don't like that. Me either. And then also him sealing her in the house. The fuck? Yeah. Like that's when all my sympathy for like, you know what? You you, you both have your own stuff that you're going through. Um, and, and you're not being good partners because like your communication and like way of grieving is very different. But it's like he started crossing lines where it's like, nope, no, fuck off, sir. Yeah, I just got the feeling that Tamlin wants a wife who is title only. He wants somebody who is just going to be his lady who will plan the parties, who will do the social stuff, who's going to look pretty, but not ask questions, not get involved. And like that wasn't ever Feyre even when she was human. No. He wants a trophy wife that's never going to be Feyre. Like there are so many red flags that I wish that Feyre like saw so much sooner. Same. Would have saved us a lot of heartache and probably a hundred pages of reading. Seriously. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you've been with this guy for less than a year. You don't owe him shit. Not a damn thing. And you're immortal, which means that like if you marry him, you are stuck with him forever. 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 And like you guys are not vibing. <laughs> I think that also just shows that she's like 19 at heart. <laughs> right. Like, she's young. <laughs> so I, do, I do think he was good for her for a time in book one. Like, when she did get taken into Prithian. And, like, he helped her family a lot. He helped her family. There were good things. There were some good things, but it's like he is completely just trash in any semblance of good he did well, with his just, actions in this book. There's just no communication from at all. No. At least not healthy communication, because when Tamlin speaks, he only hears himself and his word is law, and then he doesn't want to hear shit else. And I do really like when she's at the night court that Reese is becoming like a friend or like mm -hmm. trying to at this point be like her friend is teaching her to read, how to write. He's like there for her. And he, like you mentioned, is doing way more than Tamlin has done to help her with her like PTSD. And he's not lying about no. things and being like, girl, you could be pretty powerful. Like you potentially have the powers of all seven high lords at your disposal yeah. where Tamlin is like blinders. No, you're just my pretty wife. You're just Feyre. Give me babies. Yeah. Have parties. Give me babies. Like, that's all he wants. So, like, I like Reese in part one. I think that he's good for... Same. And what about um, Ianthe? What were your thoughts on her? All right, so this was a reread again. I was able to pick up on more stuff this second time around, but even the first time around, I always felt a little suspect of her. I was just like, I don't know about this bit. But this time through, it was really kind of like, oh, yeah, the writing is on the wall with her. See, because you 
mentioned something about like how you hated her oh, as yeah. a character. And I was still in the process of actually like reading this for the first time. But like I personally didn't really like pay all that much attention to her. Like, yeah, she was a decent part of part one. She was around a lot. But like all I really picked up was like she was kind of Feyre's like handler. Mm-hmm. She kind of was, you know, she helped pick out the wedding dress. She helped plan the wedding. She helped Feyre like with things like that. Getting ready she didn't for help Feyre. She just did. Right. <laughs> but that was helping Feyre because Feyre had, had no interest yeah. in any of that shit. But when I was reading it the first time, like I wasn't picking up on any of these like power hungry. Like I wasn't picking up on this. I don't know. I don't. I think I have to like reread it. Yeah. Because like, then once you know, it's like then yeah. it's interesting re- sometimes going back and rereading books because then you do see these little clues that authors kind of drop within there. I think that she's one. I think that if you're not paying attention, yeah, you're not going to pick up on it. I feel like the first read, you're kind of indifferent towards her. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I felt. And then the second read, it's like, oh, here are the little breadcrumbs. And like, oh, this little subtle move that she did, oh, that totally kind of was foreshadowing. Other stuff. Yeah. And you know what? I can appreciate that type of writing. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to reread stuff, especially, you know, like if you really get invested. I mean, these to read this series, it's a, it's a time investment, potentially a money investment if you're not checking them out from your local library. That'll be interesting if I ever do reread this series. If I'll pick up on it. On to part two. Part two. House of Wind. So Rhysand offers Feyre's sanctuary at the night court for as long as she wishes and offers her to work for him. And he will return her whenever she wants. No questions asked. Reese has to check on a secret part of his territory and not wanting to be left behind, Feyre requests to come along. He allows it provided she swears to never reveal the existence of this territory. Valeris, the city of starlight. Feyre agrees. He takes her to his family and private home and gets bombarded by his inner circle that Feyre doesn't meet yet. Thankfully, she is finally given the freedom to go and do as she pleases within Reese's territory. As Feyre gets a tour of Valeris, an intact and thriving city that has been hidden for 5,000 years, she gets angry at Reese for allowing this to exist and not doing more while everywhere else suffered. She gets especially upset when she sees the artist district because she hasn't been painting since since under the mountain so this really sets her off Feyre wants to unleash her rage on the city and Rhysand has to remind her that his people are blameless and reels her in Feyre meets the inner circle and learns the hierarchy Rhysand is the high lord Amrin is second in command she's not a fey creature she's something older and even more powerful than Rhys more Rhys's cousin is third in command Asriel is the spy master, and Cassian is the commander of Reese's army. After a dinner with the inner circle and exchanging of backstories, Thera considers working with them and accepts Cassian's offer for fight training. Thera finally starts to understand why Reese did all he did to keep Valeris safe and is starting to let go of her grudge against him. Reese also drops the bomb that King Hybern wants to remake Jurian. To get answers on how Jurian can be remade, Reese and Feyre must pay a visit to the Bone Carver. When they go to a magical jail to visit the Bone Carver to get information about what Hybern plans to do with the necklace and ring that contain Jurian's soul, the Bone Carver appears differently to each of them and will exchange answers to questions 
for answers to questions and secrets. They learn that Highburn is planning on putting the cauldron, which has been lost for centuries, back together, which could be used to shatter the wall and bring Jurian back to life. And the only way to defeat the cauldron is with the Book of Breathings, which has been split in two halves and belongs with one belonging to the Summer Court and the other to the Human Queens. When they return and fill the inner circle in on this new news and start to develop a plan to retrieve the Book of Breathings, Thera should be able to um, wield any sort of like spells and power and just like hold the book itself um, because she is something that was made. It is decided that they are first going to test her tracking ability with retrieving something from the Weaver. They are also going to be paying a visit to Pharaoh's family um, and searching the mortal lands. They are also going to be paying a visit to Pharaoh's family when searching the mortal lands for the part of the book and contacting the human queens. Time to face the Weaver and Pharaoh's ability to sense whether, like, where this item for Reese is and he tells her it's a ring that she's going to be looking for she retrieves it and battles a panic attack and narrowly escapes the weaver while reese just like is chilling back in the clearing doing not a damn thing when they return to the townhouse reese allows Feyre into his mind and shows her why he does not trust ianthe turns out she was very aggressively and non-consensually coming on to reese and sexually assaulting him and like trying to will her way into his bed to gain power she wanted to marry him and have babies with him he turned her down and forbade her from continuing her actions in his kingdom and also kind of like kicked her out Thayra returns home and informs her sisters of what happened to her under the mountain and the threat of Highburn. And she requests for their home to be a meeting place for the meeting between the High Fae and the Human Queens. Elaine and Nesta eventually agree. They are quite weary of this at first, though. When Feyre is training with Reese in the Human Lands, the Adder attempts to kidnap her and Reese saves her. They learn Highburn wants Feyre and there is an army coming soon. Feyre writes to Tamlin a letter thanking him for all that he did for her and that she has left the spring court of her own accord and not to come looking for her. Reese, Feyre, and Amran head to the summer court to steal the fairy half of the Book of Breathings. The three participate in some scheming and flirting, which reveals the location of the book. Feyre and Amran go into the temple to steal it and are helped out in escaping the temple by water raids. The three are now marked for betraying the Summer Court. It turns out the book is in Amran's language and not only holds the key to destroying the cauldron, but also could help get her home. Amran will need the other half of the book to be able to decode it, though. After some time, the mortal queens finally agree to a meeting, which does not go well. They refuse to give the other half of the Book of Breathings and aren't going to offer aid to the human realm near the wall. And more lets the queens have it for their foolishness and lets it be known the last human to be turned immortal, Miriam, still lives. The queens, they require proof that Rhysan isn't a monster that he's been made out to be and that his intentions are good. And then maybe they will consider giving up the book. Mm -hmm. Feyre learns the truth of Miriam Drakken and Jurian. Rhysand decides he is going to show the queens the city of Valeris, and they must pay a visit to the Court of Nightmares to retrieve the Orb of Truth to further help their cause with the queens. While at the Court of Nightmares, they get attacked with ash arrows. Rhys and Feyre turn up the heat in their flirting, and Feyre gets called a whore by Moore's father, Kerr. 
When Reese and Feyre return to the townhouse, they get into an argument and Feyre crosses the line. Then after her fuck up, she realizes she wants to give Reese a chance sexually and see if they can be anything. A few days later, it's the Starfall celebrations. Reese and Feyre make up and share a kiss while they dance. Before heading back to Feyre's human home to meet with the queens, the inner circle make a pit stop at an Illyrian training camp. Feyre gets more training and learns more about the bromance bond with the Bat Boys and learns the truth of the feud between Tamlin and Rhysand. While Feyre was training, Lucian, who has been hunting her for months, finally finds her and tries to bring her back to the spring court. Lucian fails in this mission after pretty much Feyre... Uh, Whoops that ass. Yeah, she essentially morphs... What are they, What do they call it? Shapeshift. Yeah. She shapeshifts into, into an, Illyrian. an Illyrian. So she has wings, talons, the whole thing. After the counter with Lucian, Reese takes Feyre to an inn. They start to give into their physical desires for each other without going all the way. Which was lame. I mean, I'm glad to finally get some action. Damn it. Right. The following day, they come under attack again by poison ash arrows, and Reese gets hit and taken. Feyre tracks and rescues Reese after she helps get the arrows out of him. She goes searching for the cereal. Feyre asks the cereal for an antidote to the arrow's poison, which she gets, and the cereal lets it slip that Reese-san is Feyre's mate. Feyre gets extremely pissed that Reese has known about the mating bond and hasn't said anything to her about it. He tries to explain his side, but stupid Feyre doesn't want to hear it and demands to be taken back to the Illyrian camp. Then Moore takes Feyre to a cabin because she is throwing a fit. And that is the end of part two. A lot happens in part two. Part two yeah. is the bulk of the book pages wise. But those were like the key points. Yes. So something I think that I, I, I want to touch on real quick was the truth between the feud of Tamlin and Reese. Yeah. So we know that Reese's dad killed Tamlin's family. Mm -hmm. But what Tamlin just happened to leave out was the fact that Tamlin and Reese were kind of friends. Tamlin betrayed Reese's trust. They went to a cabin where he was supposed to be, but it was just his mom and sister. Tamlin, his dad and brothers kill Reese's mom and sister. And then Reese and his dad retaliate. And that's where the feud, like, Began. then they killed Tamlin's whole family. And then Reese's dad was going to kill Tamlin after he killed, like, Tamlin's mom. And Reese was like, no, we're, we weren't supposed to touch the women. So then he got tired of, like, just all this bloodshed. And that's when Tamlin, Tamlin kill, was able to kill Reese's dad. And then they both get the power of like the the High Lord at the same time, and then Reese dips. So yeah, Tamlin left some important things out in that retelling. <laughs> Definitely not a fan. So then Feyre is really like, Pissed. oh my god. She's like, how could I have even? She's like, how could I have ever loved him in the first place? Like she's really starting to doubt. Her, if her feelings were even genuine. And like she in part two really struggled with trying to get over Tamlin. Mm -hmm. And like that loyalty that she still felt for him. But it was like the more she learned and the more we learn as as readers, we're like, Tamlin is a POS. Yeah. Are you for real? 
Mm. I did love um, learning like the backstory to everybody in the inner circle, like in this part and how this band of misfits like found each other and like how much they just care and love one another. Like they are all truly like a family. Yeah, because Amarin is not Faye. No. She's otherworldly. And then you have Reese, who's the most powerful High Lord ever. And he's ha- only half Illyrian. He's like Faye and then his mom's Illyrian. Illyrian. And then you have Cassian, who is one of the most, like the st- one of the strongest warriors, the Illyrian warriors ever. Mm-hmm. And he was a bastard and like got treated like crap. Yeah, had a very, very tough upbringing as a child at the camps. Like the Illyrians, I would not want to be born into their system. Yeah. Especially as a woman. <laughs> and then you got Azrael, who's like also a powerful Illyrian and then is a shadow singer, which is very rare. And he was also a bastard. He was also a bastard and his family treated him like rap. Where like Cassian didn't really have his family growing up. Azrael did, but they were not good people. No, no. And then you have Moore, whose dad kind of runs the city of nightmares kind, kind of kind it's, of it's kind of like reese's like he's almost like a liaison yeah. it's like more is actually the head of it yeah but like when she's doing stuff it's like he's part of the council sort of thing like he has power but he doesn't have power right it's like he, he has the air of power yeah. like a fake facade of it yeah and it definitely goes to his head um, and like she had a very tough upbringing. Like they really honor women's virginity and using and not them in the to, good way. Yeah, and using them to like sell them off to the highest bidder to the most powerful fae. And like that was kind of Moore's path until she put a stop to it herself. Yeah, she was supposed to marry Lucian's brother, and he was sadistic and terrible, and she didn't want that. Obviously, who would? So yeah, like this, they're just like super, super powerful and they all have like very interesting backstories and it was very cool to learn about yeah. them. It's like they they all have their own traumas. They've all found each other and like have just figured a way kind of out of the darkness and they're just like a cute little band of misfits and I love them. Yeah, and I also really like how different his inner, like Reese's inner circle is and how he treats his inner, inner circle is than like Tamlin. Like, you can't even compare the two. Like, Reese doesn't really act like their ruler or, like, the head honcho unless he's, like, making calls that they, like, respect. Yeah. Like, they they respect the hierarchy. But, like, their banter. It's like, so they don't, funny. When they're not being serious about things, you would never know that, like, Reese ranks supreme you know what i mean like he doesn't give that vibe no because even though there is technically a hierarchy and like levels of power they it's kind of very knights of the round table like everyone has like an equal seat at the table yeah i also really liked how the water wreaths came back to play because in part one remember she helps helps, them and the water wreath does say i am in your debt and they were her and amarin were about to literally drown in this temple getting one part of the book and the water wreaths they were the ones that saved them yep and got them out and i love like that full circle and then like after they were saved the fairies were like our sister's debt is paid 
and swim away. Yep, and like, good. but I love like when that kind of shit happens in books where you're just like, I knew it was going to like. Yeah, because it's like if they were helping the water wraith could have been like a very throwaway point And like, why, like, why did that even have to be written? Well, here's why it had to be. Full circle, baby. So there was a funny moment <laughs> that I loved that happened. Feyre runs into a post after, like, Reese sends her, like, a dirty vision of, like, what could have happened if he took her up on her offer to, like, go shopping. And she was just, like, really enjoying that, like, dirty daydream and just bonk. That was one of the hates. I wish we got that lingerie shopping scene between the two of them because it was talked about multiple times over this whole book. And I'm like, I want that scene. Like, I want that chapter. (laughs) But, yeah, that was funny. I also really liked... Feyre, I think when they go to the summer court before they're they're stealing the book, they obviously have to find where the book is. Mm-hmm. So they're spending some time with the high lord of the summer court and like him and Feyre are pe- pretty flirty. And then like Reese is kind of flirty with like his number two or like one of the princesses of that court or whatever. And I think that this is like the first time that you really see that Feyre is like very affected by Reese. And gets very jealous. Yes. Like, very jealous. Like, petty jealous. But I'm like, about damn time, girl. It's about damn time. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. I struggled with Vera mostly in these first two parts. Because, like, I hated how hard she was on Lucian. And, like, her wishy-washy trust with Reese. And, like, hated how she got mad at Reese about knowing about the mating bond and keeping it from her. When was a good time to tell you, bitch? When? You literally were going to marry someone and love someone else. Like, literally, when would have been a good time for him to tell you? Yeah. And also, you know, Reese did some pretty questionable things when they first met. Like, Mm -hmm. when they were under the mountain stuff. So it's like she wouldn't have believed him then anyways. And then she would just think that he's using it for his own agenda. Like, she would have freaked out. I hated the tantrum she threw. Yeah. I was like, girl... You're an idiot. I understand you being upset and kind of being like thrown off. Like, yeah, that's a big thing to kind of be hit in the face when you're not expecting it. But like she does the stuff that she says that she wouldn't, which is run away from him, Mm -hmm. turn her back on him. And like, that's exactly what she does. And like how she was such an when she threw back in Reese's face, like all of his insecurities and the things that he worried about. And, like, how he doesn't think he's good enough for anyone. And she then basically tells him that he's not. So was he supposed to tell you that he was your mate then? And then after she says all those things, Reese kind of, like, pieces out. Like, he needs some time to himself. I mean, that must have been heartbreaking. But she then is like, why won't you talk to me? Where are you? And, like, they do this really cute thing that we didn't really mention in the plot breakdowns, but I fucking love. They write little, like, letters to each other, and, like, magic disappears, and then, like, it, you know, they write back and forth. It's kind of, like, cute little, like, chain mail or something like Mm -hmm. that. And so she's, like, trying to reach out to him via that way, and, like, the paper's not disappearing, which means that he's, like, not receptive to, like, hearing from her. And she's, like, pissed about it. But I'm like, bitch... You even know that you fucked up because she does realize it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you got to give him a chance to get over it. And also, you haven't said sorry. Yeah. And then with like when she finds out about the mating bond, deucing out as he is still very, very injured, almost died. Oh, yeah. That that made me mad that she made him winnow her back to the Illyrian camp while he is like. He literally was tortured and had poisoned 
ash arrows all in him. And then as soon as they show up, mm. she's like, more, take me somewhere. I have to, I can't be here. As he's like, Feyre, don't, don't go. go. Like, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> she's a cold hearted bitch. And people think Nesta's bad. No, Feyre's fucking awful. So, you know, I, I can definitely understand your assessment when you're like, there are things that I really like about Feyre, but then there are things that really piss me off about Feyre. I 1000% get that because she acts like a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hun, this is not cute. No. <laughs> you're showing your age and you're the guy who is like who you are now interested in in that way, who's also your mate, is like 500 plus years old and you are acting like a legit child. Like, Well, she is a legit child. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, your age is showing, Vera. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> All right, not to shit on Feyre too much <laughs> I did love the starfall scene that was a great scene that was really cute that was cute and I did enjoy seeing um her powers emerge and like her learn to use and control them that was that was fun yeah yeah I was a little annoyed that Lucian showed up in the night court yeah I mean I sh- you should have seen it coming because Tamlin's not gonna take this sitting down even if Feyre wrote to him true but I mean it's not like he could have refused though Right. But, like, I just don't like that he was even going to force her when, like, she straight up was like, no. But then he's like, what kind of spell? What is what has Reese done to you? Yeah. I mean, Reese has played the game with, like, him being this, like, master manipulator a little too well. And it's, like, biting him in the ass. Definitely. Definitely. You know who I felt bad for in this part? Hmm. Tarkin, the summer court ruler. I felt so bad for him. He was genuinely nice and like wanting to build an alliance with Reese and like make positive changes in the world. And like he showed Pharaoh like genuine kindness and like was actually interested in her. And, you know, she took advantage of that. Um, One for the goal of getting the book, but also then to make Reese jealous. And, you know, and then they steal from him and they're like, peace out. I felt so bad for him. He's yeah. lovely. Yeah, because him and Reese definitely do seem to have similar, like, wants and desires for the future. So, like, they would have been really good, like, allies and friends, potentially. But obviously, there's bigger things going on. Hopefully, they can, like, rekindle that friendship, potentially, later on. Uh, Once things aren't how they are right now, but... Yeah, and then you kind of yeah. you kind of made an enemy you didn't need to have. Yeah, and yeah, and he was very like sweet on Feyre, and she did play into that. She did feel bad. Like there were multiple times where she was like, "This does not feel good," knowing that I'm using him for multiple reasons. But then Reese is kind of like, "We gotta do it." He's like, "I know it doesn't feel good, but it's the world at stake." Yeah. <laughs> But then it, it, it's almost like it turned out they kind of didn't need to. And it's like if they actually just kind of were like, hey, bud, here's the thing. Maybe. I don't know. Because there was that well, I, I do dinner feel like, scene. I feel like he would have given the book. I don't think his co-ruler would have. The princess would have. Uh, yeah, I don't think she would have been down for that. No. Oh, well. Oh, well. Makes a good story. Yeah. I just I just felt bad for the guy. Oh, yeah. I also, um, I struggled with more a little bit. Hmm. I mostly love her. However, I hate how she strings Asriel along. Oh, yeah. And, like, she's never going to reciprocate his feelings for her. And it's just a shitty thing to do. Such a good friend. 
But the thing is, I think that this is in part three, but I'll mention it here because it's not like that important. Feyre and Moore are having a conversation where Feyre brings up, she's like, look, I see the way that you guys kind of like look at each other and like whatever. And she's like, so has that ever happened? And she's like, no. And then Feyre's like, will it ever happen? And Moore's like, honestly, it wouldn't be on my end. It would be on his end because he also has that internal, like, he doesn't deserve her. So, yeah, he pines after Moore. And, like, but Moore's not interested, though. No, so it's but, like, just put the boy out of his misery. But even if Moore was interested, Azriel would never cross that line because he doesn't feel worthy of yeah, her. But still, like, could at least kind of help him out and be like, look. Let them you are hey, fabulous. It doesn't really seem like either of them are hurting. She also mentioned that they they all kind of have like lovers on the side. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're all getting it. And she's like, Azriel has definitely his like side pieces. He's not in your face about he's not it. Hurting but, like, for, he's fine. He's not hurting for puss. So like, let them. You know, if he wants to pine after her, he's probably already been pining after her for five hundred years. Like it's. I think that they're in the comfortable. space. In a comfortable space. But, like, I understand, like, it is kind of shitty, too. Because, <laughs> like, why would you torture yourself like that? Yeah. but And torture him. He's been through enough. I know. That poor shadow sing- singer. They all have been through They've enough. They've all been through enough. Exactly. So why continue to put your friend through misery when you know his backstory? Yeah. Yeah. Leave the poor boy alone. Moving on to part three, which was House of the Mist. So Feyre spends her days wallowing alone in the cabin, thinking about all that she's learned. She finds paints and brushes and finally decides to start painting again. More visits three days into um, her stay to check in. They briefly talk about Reese and Moore. Has Feyre add her as in Cassian's eyes to the mural that she started in the house so that they're always watching over her. Feyre asks about Moore and as. We learn nothing has happened and nothing will ever happen. Feyre finally realizes she wants a future with Reese and the gang when Reese finally appears at the cabin. So this is when we then get the story of how Reese knew Feyre was his mate. So it started about three years before the first book. He started having dreams and would send messages back to her. So for example... The night sky that she painted for herself on her dresser back at her old home was a thought that he sent to her. He then started to get the feeling that this human meant more than what he originally thought. He specifically went to the Calamai because, remember, book one, where they first meet, because he knew she was now in Perithian and he needed to see her. He found her as she was about to be pulled by three fairies and saved her. After their brief meeting, he messes with the minds of these three fairies and took them back to Amarantha as a ploy to show that there were traitors in the spring court. This gave him more leverage with Amarantha so that he could go back to the spring court. He was jealous that she was with Tamlin, but he was not going to force the mate bond on her. All he did leading up to the mountain and at the mountain was to ultimately protect Feyre from Amarantha. He did not know the name of the mortal that she gave him originally was real, but he reassured her that he slipped inside of Claire's mind so that she did not feel any of the torture. And he was also the one to finally end it for Claire. And he definitely felt bad about that. He finally realized he loved Feyre when Amarantha was in the process of killing her. 
He was the one to hold on to their mate bond that Feyre ended up also holding on to. If you remember in the first book, there was like a pole that kind of had her like holding on. Yeah, and she just thought it was like what, this wanting to go home thing. And it was Reese oh, holding Reese. Their, their mating bond. He was the one that convinced all seven High Fae to save her and ultimately had to watch her leave with Tamlin. Later that night, the binding fully snapped into place and he panicked and winnowed back to the night court. He was going to stay away, but the bond continued to show him all of her nightmares and how lonely and sad she was until the day of her wedding where he had to step in and save her. He originally was going to stop the bargain, but he saw how pale and skinny she had gotten and couldn't leave her with Tamlin indefinitely. He then reiterated that he would never tell Feyre of the bond because he didn't want Feyre to think all he did was to benefit him and that at the beginning, she did not like or trust him. So he just was protecting himself and her. Exactly. Which, you know, when the fuck was he supposed to tell her? Yeah. Feyre then feeds him soup she heated up and this is kind of like in Fae, in the Fae world, symbolizing um, that she was accepting the mate bond. <laughs> Feyre tells Reese that she wants him, loves him, and is honored to be his mate. They start making out, and he lays her out on the table like a buffet. He then goes down on her. Once she has come multiple times, he takes her to the bedroom where they finally get it on. Um, chicka, wow, wow. As they're going at it, Feyre finally feels the mating bond clicking into place for her. Reese tells her he loves her again. Reese comes and Feyre feels complete and happy that she has accepted the bond. Reese informs Feyre about them going back to her sister's estate because they have finally heard back from the mortal queens. Feyre and Reese end up getting sexual again. This time, uh, Feyre gives Reese a blowjob before he flips her on her stomach, takes her from behind. Feyre then starts to glow, almost like starlight, and Reese drops all his glamours. So he is full high lord. This gave me like Hades Persephone fucking. Yeah. And he's showing her how her light and his dark match. They end up finishing with Feyre on top. Feyre and Reese return home to Valeris, where the whole inner circle is waiting. They bow and say that they will serve and, and protect Feyre. After dinner, they all make their way to the mortal realm with the orb to share a secret they have all been personally protecting for the past 500 years. This city has been a secret for 5,000 years. Only two queens show up for this meeting. And the inner circle shows them the secret that is Valeris. The meeting did not go the way that they had hoped and faced pushback from the eldest and golden queen. Cassian comforted Nesta and the queens left. The golden queen left behind the box that happened to be the second half of the book. She left a note saying that she believed them and told them not to trust the other queens for the sixth queen was not ill. Reese invites Nesta and Elaine to come to Valeris, but they decide to stay in the human realm. So it's been two days and Emeryn has not broken the code. Reese and Moore are away, so Feyre and Cassian are walking the city when a fleet of adders and lesser fairies appear flying into Valeris attacking. Cassian's magic is not holding up against the fleet, and the Golden Queen is then dropped from the sky with a stake through her middle, eyes gouged out, and her hair shredded. The queens send their regards, 
along with Jurian. The army was destroying the city as Az, Cassian, and Amran tried to defend it. Feyre ran towards the Rainbow Bridge where she used some of the some of her water magic to create a pack of water wolves that would drown all of Highburn's soldiers. And if they went to the sky, Feyre turned them into hawks and eagles and then froze them, ultimately killing them. The adder that was under the mountain led this fleet and was escaping, so Feyre winnows into the sky to stop it. Feyre epically takes down the adder from the sky. Battle number one has ended. The city has been breached, but they managed to push back or kill all of Highburn's army, and the city is secure for the moment. Amran has broken the code. Feyre has to touch the cauldron and just say the specific words. The books cannot touch or bad shit will come from it. Feyre is going to go into Highburn's castle and dismantle the cauldron as Reese stays outside so he can't be tracked. He was not a fan of this. <laughs> no, he was not. Reese makes Feyre choose which bedroom she would like to be theirs and he tells her that his mom gave the ring that she took from the weaver as a test for his future bride slash mate. She would have to be smart or strong enough to get the ring back or she wouldn't survive their marriage. He needed to know if she could sense objects of the high fae, but his choice of item was purely selfish. (laughs) The group made it to Highburn. Feyre, Cassian, as and more found the cauldron. Feyre being entranced by the book, decides to do what Amran warned against and put the two halves together. She is unable to read the spell before Jurian appears. Jurian was a distraction as the king was able to cast a spell repressing all of their magic. The group can no longer winnow out of the castle and had walked right into the king's trap. Azrael was shot with an ash arrow dipped in poison, so the group had to follow the king into the throne room or he'd kill Az. As they appear in the throne room, guess who walks right in? Lucian and Tamlin. Mm. So Tamlin made a deal with King Highburn that if he helped return Feyre to him, he would allow the king's army to enter Prithian through his court and set up camp during war. Jurian also wanted to kill Reese while they were at it, so they added that into the bargain. Feyre is able to break through the spell but it's not enough. Tamlin is still going to take her and she will be a servant to, t- to King Highburn as an additional part of the bargain. Feyre is refusing when the remaining four mortal queens enter with a bound and gagged Nesta and Elaine. We learn that Ianthe has been working with King Highburn when he painted her a picture of high priestess ruling over everyone and high lords no longer existing. So she betrayed both Feyre by bringing Feyre's sisters into this and Tamlin. Nesta and Elaine are brought as sacrifices to prove King Highburn can turn strong-willed mortals into Fey. Both Nesta and Elaine fought, but it wasn't enough, and they emerged as High Fey. Lucian then also realizes Elaine is his mate. Feyre decides to make a sacrifice for everyone as she is able to dismantle the ward set by King Highburn making it possible for everyone to escape. She had to pretend that she had woken up from the curse Reese put on her and demands for the king to break the mating bond and for him to let them go. Tamlin requests that Feyre's sisters come with him. The king grants the request and breaks the mating bond. Cassian's wings have been shredded by this, like, 
blast of power, but the poison has stopped affecting Az. Moore realizes what Feyre has done with the wards, and they winnow out of the castle with Nesta and Elaine. The king thinks Feyre has the book, but Rhys took it from her before they were captured. Feyre promises Jurin and the queens she will kill them before Tamlin winnows them out. The king was able to break the bargain bond, but didn't realize that the mate bond is still intact between Feyre and Rhys. Rhys knows Feyre made the sacrifice to take down Highburn from within, so he's letting her stay with Tamlin as a spy. Rhys and Feyre also made their bond official the night before, and she is now the High Lady of the Night Courts. They will rescue her when the time is right, but until then, they go to war. Feyre does a good job at convincing Tamlin that she has broken free from Rhys, but she can tell Lucian can see through her lies a little bit or suspects it. She requests to be part of everything, unlike last time, and Tamlin agrees. Feyre is going to take down the spring courts and Highburn from the inside. The end. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Wow. So much happened. Oh my God. And like reading it back, I'm almost like, this was so good. Mm -hmm. This was so Part good. three is so good. So good. And you know, um, I have some friends who are like, you know, love this series. And they're like, the last 200 pages of every book just like go off. Mm -hmm. I can attest to that because the last 200 pages of this book, I just was like, which is one thing after another. after just like, oh. And it makes like all of the just doom and gloom we got in parts one and two worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the puzzle pieces are finally starting to mm -hmm. show you the actual picture. Like I loved in part three, like all the bombs that were dropped. Like I love the whole thing with Reese how he knew from the get that Pharaoh was potentially like his mate and just and that whole story of like when he realized they were mates oh swoon yeah and swoon. then everything that he did and like there were some things that I didn't touch on in that plot point that like he did that he mentions everything that he does is for her is to protect her and then she is an ungrateful piece of shit yeah him. and in, like until she accepts the bond right mm -hmm. but like in in that part of the book where he's telling her the full story he also is like crying as he's relaying this because he like the point where when he's like i really thought that i scared tamlin enough to let send you back to the mortal realm which is what happened in book one and then he was like, but then when you showed up under the mountain, he like breaks down. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, but like he had to put on this front because he was playing this angle of like, he couldn't let Amarantha know mm -hmm. that she meant something to him. He also had to keep up this, oh, I'm on Amarantha's side. I'm her whore. But like this whole time, he even did that to protect his people and to protect his friends. Yeah. And it's just like, I love Reese so much. I'm like, he's. Such a good person. Oh, my God. It's just. Or fairy, whatever. I don't even care. I'm just like, he's amazing. And like reading that, I was like, you are ama amazing. <laughs> like, holy shit. Oh, it was beautiful. It was. And then I also loved being. I know that this part technically happened in part two, but I loved being able to finally get like the full taste of Reese's 
dirty talk. Yeah. Yep. So like when they were at the inn, you know, Faye was trying to get him to have sex with her and he was just like, no. This is when they like just like casually hook up. Yeah. They don't go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. And we now know he he didn't want to have sex with her because he wanted her to accept the mating bond before that happened. And she said that she just wanted to have fun with him. Which probably broke his fucking heart. I know. How many times is Faye going to break his little heart? <laughs> but he, he was saying how, because um, like she wanted to, like Farrah wanted to go down on him and like she wanted him to go down on her. And he was like, um, this isn't happening in this tiny ass inn because when that happens, I want to be able to let out this animalistic roar that like is loud enough to bring down mountains and I want to have you spread out on a table and feast on you like you are my own personal feast. And then he did it when they finally did accept the mating bond. And I was like, yes. And then he was like, Sir. and then he was like, I can't fuck you in a room where I can't even fuck you up against a, a wall. wall. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so she like brings that up later too, being like, I think I remember something of a wall. <laughs> it's like, oh, and don't worry. Like, and he's like, Feyre, the next time I fuck you, I'll do it up against the wall. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. So good. I love the the bomb that's dropped where you realize that the mating bond has not been broken and that they were just like playing a game. Like they're, they're very good at playing games with each other. Mm-hmm. And so like obviously Reese picked up on what Feyre was doing or whatever. But as readers, like I really thought. Like, I almost started crying because I was like, they have to rekindle their mating bond. Like, this can't be the end of, of this. And then they when it's like. They got to, like, live it. But then when it's like, you realize that it's not broken and that they, like, found a pr- high priestess the night before in secret. And she is, like, now literally the high lady mm-hmm. of the night I court. Want, I want that scene. I know. I understand why it wasn't written. Yeah, but I wish like we got it and then like a flashback. Yeah. Or like an extended thing, kind of like bonus. I know. Because that would have been nice. I, I want to read that. I did love um, with rereading it how you're able to pick up on the hints of the mating bond and how Reese had like been trying to give Feyre clues to it throughout this whole thing. Like how? What clues? I mean, she even kind of starts to realize it, just like the you're mine. And then. Um, oh, like when they first met, he was like, there you are. I've been looking for you. Yeah. Thanks for finding her for me. Like he'd literally been looking for her for like years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like reading it back. It's like, oh, there are these little clues that he was trying to like. If she just started asking questions, like um, even when they went to go get the ring, she never asked why the ring was important. Right. But he kind of like opened it up to be like, anything you want to know? Yeah. But I, I and I, I do love that he dropped those bomb, like those little hints for her. But at the end of the day, he was never going to fully force it on her or to really even tell her like if it never became present for her and she wasn't interested, he was going to like suffer mm-hmm. because he would rather her just be happy. Like he was literally going to leave her. To be happy with her, his second most hated enemy, because that's what she deserved to be happy, whether that was with or without him. And it's just like Feyre, like it makes me even matter at Feyre though. When you learn all the things that he did for her. Yes, like one that it took her so long to like get to this point, because like he had been doing all this shit from the get. And two, 
just like how she's acted towards him sometimes and like saying those hurtful things to him, like all of his insecurities. You're like, you really are a fucking bitch because this guy has literally put himself on the line so many times for you. You didn't even realize it. So if you actually just stopped and kind of, you know, looked around you and like were a little bit more of aware of like the big picture versus just this very narrow me, 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 me. Yeah. She could have seen it. Yeah. So much earlier. But, like, she needed to heal. She needed to get over Tamlin. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the mating bond did snap in at the right time. But she didn't have to be such a bitch leading up to it. No. I also love, I didn't mention this in the plot breakdown, but there's a scene after the cabin. So, the mating bond has been secured. They've been, like, fucking, like, rabbits. And he tells her that that's, like, very normal. Mm -hmm. That, like, sometimes it takes years for mated couples to, like, get out of this, like... It's almost like heat. Yeah. So they end up coming back and like Cassian can tell and eggs on Reese. Oh, yeah. To that make, was so funny. So he like comes on to Feyre. Like he says something sexual kind of towards Feyre because he knows that Reese needs to let out all the energy before he literally like kills people because he's so like alpha that male. alpha male. And so like they end up getting into this huge like almost epic fight just between the two of them just but, like, to expend Ca- the energy yeah but it's like cassian knows exactly what like he needs to do and mm-hmm. it's just like i love that that was really fun speaking of cassian i loved his banter and dynamic with nesta love i'm very excited for their book because they're gonna be yeah and I still love Nesta. Yeah. Well, I really like Nesta now. When she was getting put in the cauldron, she was fighting her hardest. And like she, po- like before they like fully dip her into the cauldron, she points at the fucking king, Hybern. And like you can just tell it is like a threat. And he even seemed a little like taken aback by it. Mm-hmm. And then how she like put the queens in their place when they were being like bitches about not yeah. wanting to help. And then Farah even like men like comments on when Nesta is like turned into Faye when she comes out of the cauldron that she was like something is a little different with Nesta. Like the cauldron, it was almost like she fought the cauldron, the cauldron fought her, and she took more than what was and I'm just like, oh my god, Nesta is going about to be fucking crazy. Like I'm very excited to see the progression with her. I'm now. excited for you to read her progression. Yeah. And now I can understand why, like, I think I'm going to start liking Nesta. I just don't think I liked mortal Nesta. I think mm-hmm. I'll like High Fae Nesta better. I still hate Elaine. Oh, my God. Her and Lucian being fucking. I did not see that coming. I really wanted her and Az. Like, they seem to, like, kind of, like. Well, just because you know who your mate is doesn't mean you have to. I know. doesn't mean that it has to take. But, yeah, Lucian now is, like, where is he? He, he's Where hitting, is she? He's hitting that mating <laughs> frenzy. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. I still hate Elaine. The only good thing she did was like she was more quickly like willing to accept Feyre and the night court like using the house. Um, I think it's really messed up that she got engaged to a human whose family is like so openly and viciously hates fairies when Tamlin is the reason they have their wealth restored and she continued to be engaged to him once she found out that Feyre has been turned into Fey. And that was the whole reason they didn't go to Valeris to begin with. Because Elaine didn't want to leave her fiancé. 
And then they get kidnapped yeah. and turned into Hypey. If you went to Valeris. Never would have fucking happened. Yeah, wouldn't have been in this situation. But Elaine, because Nesta was like, I'll do whatever she's doing. Mm-hmm. And Elaine made the call that she wanted to stay. Dumb bitch. Here. I hate her. She doesn't get any better? Not for me. Okay. Maybe for you she will. I fucking hate her. Okay. To be determined. Hate her so much. I hate that Jurian is back. And I hate the mortal queens. And I hate King Highburn. Well, except for the one that... Well, the golden queen. Yeah. Yeah. I hate all the living ones now. The ones that are living can all suck a dick because they act... Like, oh my God, high fae, like fae's, fairies, whatever, are the worst. But, but, but turn me into one. But they, that's what they ultimately want is they want the immortality. Yeah. Because they're selfish and I hope that they're not strong-willed and I hope that the cauldron doesn't grant them immortality because it serves them fucking right. We'll find out in the next book. Ugh, they're the worst. Yeah, they suck. And the fact that they were the ones that give over Valeris... Like, I knew yeah. it was going to bite them in the butt, but, like, I still was shocked. I mean, it was a risky call. It was the right move to make. And it's like, you know what? You've, ha- you- you've had good luck for 5,000 years. Everything else in Valeris has, like, you know, gotten shit on. So I'm sorry. It's Valeris's turn. Like, I hate it for the people because, you know, beautiful, but war is coming. But those mortal queens suck a dick. Yeah, they can. They hate them. They can eat shit. They hate them eat shit you know what else can also eat shit hmm. the way the mating bond snaps into place that can fucking eat shit why because they had sex no about how you have to like the female has to present food to the male oh well i don't think that's how it snaps into place i think well, that that's, that's part of like the um it's just like the traditions where it's yeah like, it's like the tradition the... that's how you you prove as the woman you're accepting it yeah what kind of patriarchal bullshit? At least the woman gets to be the one that accepts it. They have to feed the male. If they don't feed the male, they ain't accepting it. Still, that was stupid. But yeah. I, hate, I didn't like it. Just, it was just a little weird. It was just a little sexist and patriarchal. And this whole stupid. the whole fay is patriarchal and yeah and sexist. True, <laughs> true. So, so it's on brand. It's, it's on, on brand. brand. <laughs> on brand, but I don't like it. Fair enough. So I think that wraps it up. For our loves and hates. Yeah. On this one. I got some fun questions for you. Alrighty. I'd like to kick it off with a little game. Fuck, marry, kill. Okay. Start with book one, Akatar. Okay. Who would you fuck? Who would you marry? Who would you kill? Oh, out of everyone? Um, In let, book one? Let's go with, with the gentle fellows. Okay. Because, I mean, I think we we know we want to kill Amarantha and she does die. So, like, that's okay. kind of moot. Okay. I'm definitely marrying Reese. Because I want to be with him forever. Um, I think I'm killing Tamlin. He can go. And I'll fuck Lucian. If it's like those three. Those are the three that I'm like yeah, they remembering. Were, yeah. They from were, book one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, unless you want it to throw the adder in there. <laughs> uh, No, I'm good. Or the cereal. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so I'd fuck Reese. I'd okay. marry Lucian. Okay. And I'm killing Tamlin. Well, that's the thing, though. You marry Reese, you're going to be fucking him. I just, I just, one night with him will be fine. I don't want to marry him. Oh, really? I enjoy Reese. I would, I think I'd be better suited to Lucian. Uh, Lucian would irk me. I really like him. Eh, he's all right. Reese I've is, read more, Reese though. Reese is my, my man's. Reese is fantastic. I do want to experience him once. Okay. But I don't, I don't want the headaches of, like, being with a high lord like that. That's true. Fair enough. All right. Akamath. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh, man. But we're, we can't kill Hybern because he is needed for the next story. Okay. That's the only one you can't kill. I mean, he is the obvious choice. Yeah. 
I'm still going to kill Tamlin. Fuck Tamlin. Well, he's already dead because we killed oh. him in the first book. Okay. Um, <laughs> or unless you do want that to be yours, then that's fine. I got another pick. Okay, so I think... Ooh, this one's tough because all three of the, like, inner circle dudes are top-notch. So I'm just trying to decide. You... No, don't go first because I don't want it. Mm. Okay. Um, I think that I would go... I think I would still marry Reese, but Cassian, and I would kill the adder. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So I am fucking Cassian. Okay. I'm going to marry Tarkin. Okay. And I'm going to kill Kier, Moore's dad. Ooh. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, he can. He can peace out. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I like those. Okay. What's next? Pick your current Akatar boyfriend. Reese. Hands down. Figured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine solution. Yeah, I figured after your book one, Mary. Maybe Cassian. No, no, I would I would want to kill Cassian. But, you know, that could lead to some fun times in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> toss up between those two. Interesting. Okay. I love Azriel, but he's a little too sad boy for me. Yeah, he gives me emo boy. Like love you know him. I mean? Love him. I just want to like cuddle and protect him from but everything. But also he's too wrapped up in more. Yeah. I don't want that drama. No. Because I want to be besties with more and Amran. That that is my next one. Pick your friend squad. Okay, so my friend squad is going to be Amran, Moore, and Nesta because they all bad bitches. Mm-hmm. Mine is Amran, Nesta, and Cassian. Okay. I like that. That's, that's I do gonna like be, Cassian. That's gonna yeah. be my gang right yeah. there. Which court would you want to live at and which one would you not? So I would not want to live at the summer court. That seemed like Florida. <laughs> As in the weather. I like, you know, listen to Farah's like inner monologue about how like hot and like humid and like always summer. Kill me. I know. It's complete opposites, Alex and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, New York. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. So summer court, I would never visit. Okay, so that's your not. No. No, no, no. And honestly, the I would want to live in the night court if I was in Valeris. Yeah. If I was anywhere else, absolutely not. The spring court just like has its own issues. I wouldn't I think spring would be nice like weather-wise. I think there would mm-hmm. be a nice actual place to live, but like I I want to kill Tamlin. I don't want him to be my high lord. And they all had to wear those masks. They were cursed for 50 years. I'm good on that. The Autumn Court, like Lucian's family, I'm nope. good. Even though October is the best month and that falls in autumn. <laughs> but like, I'm good as they're the ruling family. And then, I mean, I haven't. we really haven't gotten into like the Day Court. I like the ruler of the Day Court, but I just don't know if I'd want to live somewhere where it's daylight all the all time. The time. Yeah. It would be like Alaska in the summertime. Yep. Never dark. Yeah. So mine is Valeris. Like you said, night court only if I can be in Valeris. If not, then fuck it. Yeah. Then I'm going to go to summer court. Yeah. Give me that summer weather all the time. Please and thank you. You can keep that. Sounds great. I also want to marry Tarquin, so. Perfect. It, it lines up. <laughs> we line up. It it's, lines it's up. It's great. <laughs> um, not the winter court. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not going Winter there. all the time? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not going there. Anything else? No, th- those, th- those, are my, um, those are my fun questions. Uh, okay. That was fun. I thought that would be you know, kind of nice and lighthearted to get us out of the heaviness that was. This book, yeah. So is it time to cast? I think it is. Okay, let's start with Ianthi. All right. 
Um, I picked Ali Mashaka. That's a good one. I could see that. I could see that. I went Anna Lynn McCord from Ooh, 90210. Yeah. Very sim- They do have very similar vibes. Very similar. Yeah. Because also, like, her character on 90210, very conniving. Mm-hmm. She plays that very well. So I thought that was very on brand. Very. Who did you cast for your more? Irina Shayak. She's a Russian model. Oh, okay. I probably did the last name incorrectly. Butchered it. No. <laughs> okay, cool. I went Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. Yeah. She gives me very fey. Like her bone structure. Oh, for and, sure. And like she's so like skinny and petite like and the blonde hair like she just gives me I was like she needs to be cast in this somehow <laughs> what about your Amrin? Florence I'm probably gonna butcher this last name again and I'm so sorry Vanadia Favre okay she's a French and Thai actress um she was in mar- some sort of Marvel agents of Marvel oh okay thing um yeah that's my Amrin. cool oh. I went with Camilla Mendez from Riverdale. That's a good one. Yeah. She kind of gives me Amorin a little bit. That very harsh face, but like still beautiful. Yeah. Like the dark hair, yeah. dark features. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move into our boo things. Who did you cast as your Cassian? <laughs> oh, God. I don't like this look. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm just afraid of the judgment I may or may not receive. Okay. On this pick, but I'm going to stand by it. Um, Damien Priest from WWE. Okay. See, like, big, big dude. Oh, yeah. For sure. I could see that. Now, going into my casting, you're going to have to use your imagination that this person can act and add in some, like, wigs. Okay? Because he's not an actor or anything. I'm scared. I went Blake Griffin, the NBA basketball player, solely because his build, he looks like he's 6'8", ripped. Add some tattoos, put them in like a wig with like darker hair. And then obviously like if he acted. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going Blake Griffin. (laughs) Okay. I've had to start venturing out of actors. You can't just cast the same like three bulky dudes. True. It's hard. You got to like venture into athletes. I mean, at least we know WWE people can kind of act. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Moving on to our sad boy. Asriel, who did you cast? Gavin Leatherwood from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, okay. I like that. Okay. Very emo show. Yeah. Very emo boy. You know, our Asriel, emo boy. He is an emo boy. So I went with Augustin Bernasconi. Bernasconi? He is an Argentinian actor slash musician. Ooh, he's hot. Yeah, because I think Azrael's still, like, very, very good looking. Yeah, Yeah, he's giving me... I like that a lot. I like that one a lot. So, yeah. So, those are our casting. Don't come at us too hard. If you want some visuals, head over to our Instagram or TikTok, Emotions and Potions Pod. And now I guess it's time to soundtrack this bitch. Whoop, whoop. Okay, Alex, start us off. What's your first? All right, so my first category... Um, has three songs in it. I'm sorry. I'm pulling a U. Wow. I didn't even do that. Okay. You've done it, it before, though. <laughs> oh, I've done it multiple times before. <laughs> but it's going to make sense. So these are favorite songs to Tamlin, like, during different parts of her, like, emotional journey with him. Okay. We got If I'm Being Honest by Anna Clending, Midnight Rain, Taylor Swift, and Strangers, Stereo Jane. 
Nice. That does kind of sum up. Kind of like the highs and lows. Yeah, or just there. like, yeah. Okay. Her reckoning like with yeah. him. So I kind of have a similar theme. Mine's just Feyre's breakup song for Tamlin, which he wasn't by Avril Lavigne. Nice. Yeah. Yep. The next one is uh, Restan Hining for Feyre. How to be yours, Chris Razinma. Okay. And I kind of had a similar theme. Mine was Reese's love song to Feyre from the get, from the very, very beginning. And it's Can I Be Him by James Arthur. Oh, oh. I know. Right? Poor Reese. I know. Then I do have a song for Feyre uh, while she was like coming into and like reclaiming her power. Cinderella's Dead by Emmeline. And so I kind of had a similar... Look at us. Yeah, mine was Feyre coming into her face self and shedding her human self. And it's R.I.P. by Rita Ora and Teeny Tempa. Ooh, also shout out to the other R.I.P. song that's on that playlist. By Olivia O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That was a close one, too. And then I do have um, a mating bond song. Ooh, okay. Cosmic Love, Florence and the Machine. Nice. That's good. I have a Feyre realizing she actually loves Reese. And that's I Found by Amber Run. Love that. I got a song for the inner circle. Like all of them together. Um, Trouble, Valerie Broussard. Nice. I see trouble coming. And I also have a Reese's inner circle anthem, which is Team by Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us being like almost. I know. We really like, did. I do have a song for the ladies. Okay. More Amron and Pharaoh. I am not a woman. I'm a god. Halsey. Love. My next category is what could have been between Pharaoh and Tamlin, but is not. And that's now by Olivia O'Brien. <laughs> yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got a song for the Bat Boys. Okay. Wolves, Sam, Tinez, and Silverberg. Nice. Okay, I like that. It's like when the wolves come out to play sort of thing. Oh, yes. So. Yeah, love it. My next is Farah and Reese's Sexy Time song. Ow. And it's Worship You by Martin Jensen and Karen Hardingling. I don't really know how you say your last name, <laughs> but it's good. It's sexy. <laughs> All right, I got a song for Farah and Amron after the summer court heist. Okay. Wanted Woman, ACDC. Um, from Larkin Poe. Nice. I like that. Very on brand. And so my last category is Valeris's theme song. Ooh. And that is The City is Contagious by The Cab. Nice. My song title, kind of similar, but different vibe. Um, this is a song for the essence of like the ridiculous vibes throughout the book while like the night court is trying to like end or at least prepare for like Highburn's bullshit. The City is at War, Cobra Starship. Oh, so good. Love that. I think our soundtrack is pretty damn good for this book. Oh, yeah. I'm very impressed with us. So make sure you head over to our Spotify if you want to listen. Emotions and Potions Pod. Yup. And then obviously that is also our handle for all of our socials. Follow, like, tweet. Or, I always say tweet. We don't, we don't have Twitter. We don't do that one. Like, DM, follow, whatever. Subscribe, leave a rating, share. Yes. Uh, what are the other positive things? I don't I know. I don't know. I think that that's if, good enough. If you know it, do it. Yes. Here we go. Okay. Moving on to our ratings. So what did you give this spice rating? A three. Me too. Me too. They were, they were spicy. They were full on. But there were only like two. And for as thick as this is. I will say I was complaining internally that it was taking favor way too long. Well, it was taking Feyre and Reese way too long to get it on in this book. 
I know. Could I, could I at least have read about like Cassian getting like his I dick know. wet or like someone else having sex? Would have been lovely. Because once we got it, it was great. But yeah. then it, the book was over and they're separated. So. So there puts the kibosh on sexy time for a while. Yeah. I'm like, great. And then what about your overall rating? I gave it a 9 out of 10. I really like this book. I Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree. A 9 out of 10. Because even like some of my complaints aren't necessarily with like the plot per se. It, at least not big ones. Like my big complaints are more about the characters. But it's like it makes sense for the book. Right. So it's not like a fault of it and I still enjoy it and like I'm kind of happy it still makes me angry mm-hmm. at points like yeah the book evokes emotion yeah it's supposed to exactly it's supposed to elicit a response <laughs> yeah I just had a hard time setting it down yeah it, should, it, it is good it, I was very enraptured in it and even when I just get mad I'm like it's such a damn thing. yeah because I know that like even when I was starting to get irritated or mad I knew that I would get out of it Mm-hmm. Like, I knew something would happen where I was like, okay, love it again. Here yeah. we are. That doesn't mean characters and the plot is without its flaws because um, both have it. Yeah. But I enjoy it. Yeah. And it's a series I would reread and I have reread it. And as I have reread it, I've found new things. Yeah. I mean, this is a book that I – or a series that I'm glad that I have purchased because, you know, I was skeptical. Book one it took me a while to get into it, but I think it's going to pay off. Yeah. Like, I'm really enjoying it now. So I think a nine is yay. And then solid. love or hate. Love or hate letter. It's a love. It's a love. It's a love. Book one was a soft love. This one is full on Oh, love. this is full on love. No, no softness about it. No, no, no. All right. Well, that is another episode of Emotions of Potions where we covered the second book in the Akatar series. A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Moss. And it was a love letter, hands down. Yay. So make sure you... Follow, you like us, tell us what you want us to read next, tell your friends. I hope you're enjoying this Akatar journey we're going on. Yeah, maybe we'll do book three. I think we probably will because you've already started reading it. I know. I just got in the mail today. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> we might as well continue. Right. Let us know once we're done with this what you want to hear. Yes. Our DMs are always open. Yeah. But until then, bye. bye.